Hi, and welcome back to Litcentric Radio, the podcast that truly is a literacy coach in your pocket. I'm your host, Julie Webb. I'm really excited to finally reveal something to you, something I've been working on for quite a while. It's not done yet, but it will be available this fall, 2019, at litcentric.com. Now, I've been a literacy consultant for several years now. I was a classroom teacher, a reading specialist. I'm a national board certified teacher in literacy. I love everything about literacy, as you probably can tell. And as a literacy consultant, I get to train and coach teachers on all aspects of literacy instruction and assessment, and I love what I do. And the last few years, I've actually done a lot of work in schools uh, with guided reading. And this work with teachers who are sometimes learning guided reading for the first time, sometimes they're revisiting it, maybe they haven't done the practice in a while. Um, Working with these teachers has really made something come front and center for me. And that is the importance of understanding how to administer and even more so how to analyze a running record. And this experience that I've had with teachers the last few years and my own teaching experience, I know that people really need help doing running records in their classrooms and really getting the most out of them. It is not an easy process. And quite honestly, I've been dissatisfied with some of the resources that I've seen online. I've seen different webinars and websites and and uh, you know blog posts and things like that, that when they talk about running records, they act as though they're just a very simple assessment, and they really aren't. They're not super easy to administer. They can be a little bit taxing, you know? It's hard to know what to do, and it's even harder to know how to analyze it properly. And this analysis is really the key to your guided reading experience. And I always tell teachers, if you're not doing running records, you're not doing guided reading. They are that important. When I've seen these resources online that I've been pretty dissatisfied with, I decided I'm gonna do something about it. And I wanted to design a course just for you to really help you understand the ins and outs of running records. And this course is called Running Record Bootcamp. Inside this course, I've decided to go as deep as I possibly could in an online environment to help you understand the theory, the research, and the best practices around running records. We're going to explore running records, not only how to do them, but go deep in how to analyze them effectively for decoding, fluency, comprehension, and the strategies that students are using or not using so we can better help them to become better readers. I always say that running records are one of the few assessments that actually makes you a better teacher. And I designed the running record bootcamp to help you become the best teacher you can be using running records in your classroom. I'd like to invite you to check out the course for yourself. Now it's still in development, but if you go to letcentric.com and click on the learn tab, you'll see the running record bootcamp. And if you click through there, you can see the different uh, units that I've got in there and some of the different lessons that we'll be covering. The running record bootcamp is not for the faint of heart. It's for teachers who are like me. You wanna roll up your sleeves and dive in and really learn the ins and outs of running records so it can improve your instruction. And that improvement is gonna give you so much confidence when you teach reading with your students. And it's gonna help you be able to teach any student how to read and read well. So I hope you'll check it out. Go to litcentric.com, click on the learn tab. It's my first course that we'll be delivering through Litcentric and hopefully the first of many. In today's episode, we're gonna take a look at opinion writing. I actually really love opinion writing. In our standards, you know, long before we had Common Core, the California standards that I was teaching with, we didn't have opinion writing 
you know, I'm front and center like we do now. And I'm pretty excited about that. But I think there's a lot to learn, a lot for teachers to learn, a lot for the curriculum developers to learn about how best to help students learn how to do opinion writing well and how that opinion writing um, can be the basis and the foundation for excellent argumentative writing as students get older. We're going to use the text My Very Own Octopus to help us explore opinion writing today. This is a Parents' Choice Award-winning book by Bernard Most, and a lot of you are probably familiar with Bernard Most. He has a lot of books out there, um, especially on the topic of dinosaurs. So if you look up books by Bernard Most, you're going to see a lot of dinosaur books, and he's been around a long time, and he's the author and illustrator, and his books are fantastic. So I'm excited to share with you My Very Own Octopus today. I love to use my very own octopus to help students dream up imaginative reasons that support their opinion statements. And in this book, there's so many reasons provided by the author. And it's basically almost the entire book is just the reasons that the main character is giving us for why an octopus makes a great pet. And I love that balance of, you know, really thought out logical reasons up against this kind of playful idea of having an octopus for a pet, which we know is not you know, very reasonable, but it's a fun thing to explore. So this book and this lesson can help us get away from those kind of cookie cutter opinion writing responses or um, prompts and stuff that I see online a lot. Opinion writing should be passionate and exciting and it should make the reader think and think differently. And those cookie cutter kind of responses just are not cutting it in my opinion. See, now I'm starting to think about cookies. <laughs> well, anyways, I hope you'll check out My Very Own Octopus. It's a fabulous book. I heard from a teacher the other day, a loyal Litcentric Radio listener, about a special Donors Choose project that she decided to do to support her students. She wanted some new mentor texts for her classroom, and she was inspired by many of the texts on Litcentric Radio. So in her Donors Choose plan or her project that she wrote up, she made sure to include all of the, the mentor texts from her favorite Litcentric Radio lessons in her project. How cool is that? So now she can kind of maximize those lessons that she's heard from Litcentric Radio because she has the tools to use in her classroom with her students. I'd love to hear stories about how you're using the ideas and resources from the show. Send me a 60-second soundbite at litcentric.com. If you click on the Listen tab, you'll see a link there for Send a Voice Message. And you can record yourself. It's only 60 seconds, so you can't say a whole lot, which is actually kind of good because it's a little nerve-wracking sometimes to record yourself. But it's a lot of fun, and I'd love to hear from you. You could be featured in an upcoming episode. Let's take a look at today's text, My Very Own Octopus. I wish I had a pet of my own. I can't have a dog. I can't have a cat. I can't even have a rabbit since they make my brother sneeze. And this boy is sitting on the beach enjoying his day and he's looking out into the water and he sees this funny little cartoon octopus floating along and he looks very dreamy. But who ever heard of an octopus making anybody sneeze? I never did. I wish I had an octopus. I told you my very own octopus is full of so many reasons why he's a wonderful pet. And we're going to take some of these similar ideas and we're going to translate them into a bridge chart 
And we're going to do that using some real photographs and some actual videos of animals in their environments and use them to design some of our own opinion pieces. Now for this bridge chart, we're asking the question, which animal would make the best pet? And we're asking a question because I want to pose it in a certain way to allow students to have some freedom to uh, determine, well, to make a choice and then to design an opinion piece um, around the choice that they make. And of course, providing reasons for that opinion about which animal would make the best pet. Okay, so we have to kind of frame it in the right way. Now, I chose three different animals to focus on with my students. I chose a cheetah, a monkey, and a penguin. And I chose these for a couple of reasons. For one, they're animals that I knew my students had enough familiarity with that they knew something about them. So my students knew that, you know, a cheetah is a big cat and it runs really fast. And they know enough about monkeys to know they live maybe in the jungle among the trees and they swing and do all these things. And they know enough about penguins to know they live where it's cold and, um, and they uh, don't fly, but they swim. So they knew a little bit and a little bit of background knowledge around them. And that was just enough for us to explore this idea of um, the features and the way that these animals move maybe that helps them be a really good pet. Now, what I've done here, the lesson on insectdirect.com in the shop tab, if you, um, if you purchase those lessons, it's that growing bundle that I've got going on. So it's all the lessons from season one, all the lessons from season two, um, and actually every season that comes up, we're just gonna keep adding to that growing bundle. Now in that bundle, we've got the lesson here. It's got the text dependent questions. It's got an image of a, of a completed bridge chart, an example of one. It's got the writing task that goes with it. And in there this time, it actually has the photographs you'll need for those three animals as well as the uh, URLs that will take you to uh, the videos that I found on YouTube to show the different um, ways that these animals move. Now, this is a really key part of this lesson because for my students, it's not just about let's look at these pictures and talk about you know, how they move. I wanted to actually show them videos of them moving. But one of the issues I found is when I use uh, video files is that for students, when they're working with informational text, and which, you know, a video, a, a nonfiction video about an animal and animal facts would definitely be um, informational text. And when students are watching videos, sometimes we forget how much information they're actually having to process. So first, they're having to um, process the movement of the images going on because there's a lot of information that happens just in the viewing side of uh, videos. But they're also having to process all of the language um, that the narrator or the you know the people maybe on the interviews or whoever's speaking you know in the video, there's a whole other layer of language going on that needs to be processed there. So there's new content coming in. There's language structures, a lot, a lot of academic language. There's a lot of things for them to process at the same time as the video, and oftentimes there's even language being printed on the screen, so subtitles and things like that. So there's an awful lot going on for students to manage at one time with this type of informational text. So in this case, because my students and I are really just working on um, the how these animals move, that's really what I want to focus on here, where we don't actually need to listen to the videos in order to best uh, process that information. So I suggest when you watch these videos, you actually watch them muted with the sound off so that students are just focusing in on what they're seeing the animals actually do. 
And while they're watching that with you, go ahead and and narrate and talk through it and allow kids to call out, you know, oh, oh, the penguin's sliding. Oh, look at that. It's sliding on its belly. Oh, look, you know, the cheetah runs so fast. Look at its legs. Its legs move so quickly, right? We want the students to generate these ideas about how these animals actually move and let them talk through the video, um, you know, out loud with one another and you contribute as well. Once they've watched one of the videos, like the cheetah video, for example, we start the first part of our, our bridge chart. And the bridge chart, again, at the top has that kind of guiding question, which animal would make the best pet? And then we've got the image of the cheetah that I provide in the lesson, and I just label it cheetah. And then um, at this section, we're going to add in the verbs that we think describe best about how this animal moves. And during the video, I've encouraged students to tell me, describe how the animal moves, and I've added in some words in there. And now we just write a brief list on how we think we can best describe the movement of this animal. So students are using their background knowledge to answer this question, as well as the common experience that we just had and all the language that they heard from classmates and, and uh, from the teacher as well. So in this case, when I did this uh, activity with some kindergarten students not that long ago, some of the uh, verbs that they came up with for the cheetah were uh, run, bend, because you can see in the video the bending of its back up and down. It's actually really cool because it's slow motion. They use the verb chase, race. They use the verb focus because you can see the animal's intensity in its eyes and its head, how it focuses on its prey. And they use the word uh, catch. So for us, those six verbs were plenty for kindergartners to not only generate orally, but then later use in their writing. So if you're using this with older students, this could obviously look very different where you have a lot more verbs to choose from. And maybe even you add some uh, more phrases in there instead of just single, uh, single words. Okay? You repeat that process with the monkey video and then adding those verbs to the monkey part of the chart. And the same with the penguin. Uh, watch the video with the sound off. I encourage students to call out and discuss and share the movements that they're seeing the animal do, and then encourage them to add those onto the chart. I also um, prefer to write each section in a different color because it just differentiates the information for each animal a little bit better. And especially for your younger students, it helps them with just one extra layer of independence because you can say, oh, well, which animal are you focusing on? Oh, the penguin. Let's say that's written in, you know, with the purple marker. I say, oh, those are the purple words. So now the student can filter out the rest of the language on the chart and just focus in on the section that makes the most sense to them and for their purpose. So releases the um, kind of dependence on the teacher a little bit, makes it a little bit less, and um, it allows the student to process a little bit less information, which can help them often be a little more successful independently. Once students have uh, completed that bridge chart with me, their job is to select one of the animals and um, give us some reasons why it would be uh, the best pet. Now, I also chose these three animals, cheetah, monkey, and penguin, because we would never have a cheetah, monkey, or a penguin really as a pet. I know sometimes people have monkeys as pets, but nobody around here, I know there's laws about it, so maybe where you are, some folks do have monkeys as pets, and that's okay, that's perfectly fine. Um, and of course, you can substitute different animals. But in this case, I wanted animals that I know that my students in our context, we wouldn't have those as pets, just like the boy in the text, my very own octopus, is not likely to have an octopus as a pet. And so it gets kids to be a little bit more creative 
students were telling me things like, oh, um, I would have a cheetah because it would make a great pet because it could chase my dad and I could catch him. And, you know, when we play or another student said, oh, I'd love to have a monkey It'd make a great pet because um, it could swing through Costco when we're shopping and pick things up from the high shelves. And they have some really fun ideas that they get a little more creative than if I'd asked them to write about having a dog or a cat or a more traditional uh, traditional pet. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Lit Centric Radio, episode number 16. I'm so grateful to those of you who uh, listen week after week. I'm really excited to be in season two. Please share Lit Centric Radio with one of your teacher friends. Uh, we've got listeners from all around the world. It's really exciting. I actually get to see the different countries where people are listening and even sometimes the different cities are listening in. I'm so grateful to you. And I hope that you'll share Lit Centric Radio with you know the teacher down the hall as well as teachers on social media because we can all help one another to improve learning conditions in our classrooms. We'll see you next time. Have a great day at school.